Uh, so tonight's lesson uh, is titled, Be on Guard Against Hypocrisy. Uh, and the scripture reading for this evening, uh, to begin the lesson, if you'd like to follow along, is from Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, the word hypocrisy comes from the Greek, and it technically means playing a part on the stage. Uh, it usually refers to a false appearance, not practicing what you preach. Uh, it was often used to refer to an actor on a stage who masks his real identity and assumes a role. A person who plays a part that isn't truthful about his life and who assumes something other than what is genuine. Uh, we are a generation, and as a society that is, perhaps more than ever, focused on image. We have that luxury because Facebook, Twitter, and other online entities allow us the opportunities to shape that public image. As I'm sure most of you know, it's amazing how much positive uh, stuff there is, for instance, on Facebook, and how little people post about the struggle, difficulty, and their sinful habits. Hypocrisy is one of the main reasons cited by people for leaving institutional religion. People say things like, those church people claim to be good and pious, but in reality, they're just the opposite. I can't stand being around hypocrites like that. I'm sure you've all heard something comparable from someone at some point. Such criticism is often well-deserved and something that we as Christians need to be on guard against. This is not to suggest perfection, but far from it. It is to suggest, however, that we need to be aware that people will look to us for that example of what it means to be a Christian and that if we fall short, people will notice. As you listen to the lesson tonight, I'd ask each of you to consider whether you are living a life where the inside matches the outside. Are you living a life where the reality matches the perception? Although Christianity is known for its emphasis on mercy and forgiveness, Jesus was at the height of his rhetorical power when condemning hypocrisy. Uh, later on in the 23rd chapter of Matthew, in verse 25, Jesus has Jesus thundering, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Hypocrisy is a common theme throughout the Bible and a constant admonishment for the children of Israel. Back in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 33, verses 31 and 32, they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them, for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and the heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. A prominent act of hypocrisy, which uh, was talked about during this morning's lessons, is from Acts chapter 5, the example of Ananias and Sapphira. 
They play a big phony game about giving all they possess to the Lord, and they are doing it for appearance's sake, not because they really believe it, and not because it's what they believe is the right thing. All the while, they're holding back some of it, and in their phoniness and hypocrisy, God strikes them dead in front of the gaze of the whole church. And who could forget the example of Judas, the hypocrite of all hypocrites, who repeatedly kisses Jesus on the cheek while even the foul deed which he plotted is being done to bring him to that cross of death. And Simon the sorcerer, later in the 8th chapter of Acts, who wanted to embrace Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, but for his own personal and financial gain. All he wanted was the magic it could work to himself to give him that better way to earn money. So how should we deal with hypocrisy, starting with ourselves? The easiest answer, I suppose, is just don't do it. Don't be a hypocrite. But it's not quite that easy. We're all human, after all, and we don't always practice what we preach. So tonight, I'd like to offer four suggestions. Number one, strive to do the right thing for the right reasons, not because you seek praise and admiration, but because in following the gospel, you are providing that example to the world. Two, practice humility. Three, recognize that you are a sinner and will continue to be, but don't settle for that. And four, don't judge that you might not be judged. Striving to do the right thing. In researching this sermon, I came across uh, an old story from a Reader's Digest article from 1990. In it, a pastor has been preaching on the importance of daily Bible reading. He and his wife were invited for a meal at a parishioner's home. While there, the pastor's wife saw a note that the hostess had written on the kitchen calendar. It read, Pastor and Mrs. for dinner, dust all Bibles. There are always those people who think Christianity is only a matter of what you do. Just go to church, give a little in the offering, do a religious ritual, and do your daily Bible reading or whatever, and you think you're all right. Well, that's not all there is. There are also people today who just think all you need is to have a moral standard. They don't want to identify with the church. They're anti-church, anti-structure, anti-organization. They just want to be pious in a vacuum. They want to be moral in a social way, but there's the balance, and the two have to be together. In Psalm 106, verse 3, it says, Blessed are they that observe justice, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. From Isaiah 58, You seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. And 1 John 2:29 is another good word on this. It says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. In other words, we are to do righteousness, and we are to do it where it can be seen so that people know we belong to God. We are to let our righteousness be manifest. From Matthew 5:16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to do what we do that men may glorify God, but not for the purpose of seeking approval from men. We are to let our light shine. We are to let our works be seen that God may be glorified, but we are not to do it in a way that, me, that we may receive and seek honor. There's nothing wrong with displaying your Christianity, with displaying your righteousness. Let your light shine. Paul says in Galatians 1.23 that they heard that I was converted, and later in verse 24 he says, and they glorified because of me, glorified God because of me. But Paul did not keep the glory. He passed it on to the Lord. And Romans 10.14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We must practice our righteousness. We must be that light. We must discuss our faith with others and teach them the word. It's just that we have to do it for the right reasons. We have to have the right motive. Who is the best illustration of the way to do this? Jesus. Which brings me to point number two. 
practicing humility. Think of the way that Jesus handled himself throughout the Gospels, the way the miracles unfolded. In many cases, he was prodded to perform these miracles. People flocked to him because of what they had heard and what they had seen, but he wasn't performing miracles for their amusement. He, they had a purpose, and even though he had the power to move heaven and earth, he always reflected the glory back to God. From John 6:38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it warns us to take heed that you not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. We are to do God's work and to be that example, but because we are to be in his image and reflect his glory. It is not for our sake, but for his. This is the area that often trips people up the most. If you aren't humble, not only will you still falter, others will look to your inability to measure up to your own standards for, exact, for exactly what it is, hypocrisy. We will all fail, but we shouldn't let our lack of humility and our shortcomings be as Paul's warning to the Corinthians. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. We must be that shining example, but maintain our humility in the process. The third point tonight is to recognize that you are a sinner and will continue to be so, but do not settle. We must all be humble and recognize our faults and our human failings. From Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul cautions us in his letter to the Galatians when he says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We all commit sin in one form or another. We rationalize to ourselves that our sins don't seem as bad as other people's sins. But sin is sin. We are all guilty without the intercession of Jesus Christ. From 1 John 1, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us all from sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Which brings us to point four. Don't judge. From Matthew 7, 1 and 2, Judge not that, you be not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is where Christians often fall down and where some of the hypocrisy that people comment on comes into play. We hold others to standards that we ourselves do not meet, or we stress one area of the Bible as critical to follow while ignoring another. We largely ignore it because we ourselves do not meet it, and it's not in our interest to emphasize it. This sentiment is echoed in Romans, the second chapter. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And from Luke 6, 41 and 42, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, 
when you yourself do not see the plank it is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. To sum up, we must all be on guard against hypocrisy. We must strive to do the right things for the right reasons, to be that example of righteousness. We must be humble and recognize that our blessings, our success, and our ability to be reunited with Jesus Christ all depend on his, his mercy and his glory, not ours, not anything we are doing. We must recognize that we are all sinners and will continue to fall short of the glory of God. And we must not judge others lest we be judged. God will judge each of us according to our hearts and according to our deeds. I would encourage each of you to reflect back on the question that I started this lesson with. Are you living a life where the inside matches the outside? Are you living a life where the reality matches the perception? If there is anything that we can do for you, any questions that we may answer, won't you let us know while together we stand and we sing?